Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast. The crew is here with you, episode 63. Your hosts, uh, uh, Chaz is here, uh, Seth, what's up, dude? What's going up, guys? What's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Richard, how's it going? Uh, everything is going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, everything is going up. Uh, so, huge BNR announcement drop, a lot of crazy market price spikes, right, Seth? Like, everything's just going crazy. Yeah. And that's to be expected, right? Uh, yeah, definitely to be expected. And I think this caught people by surprise because, at least for me and I think a lot of other people, BNR list did a lot more than was expected. I expected it just to hit yeah. Eldrazi, but we got a lot more changes than that. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about that more. We have a good amount of fish mail this time, so we're going to address all that. And, uh, yeah, it's mostly going to be just B&R talk, a lot of uh, price fluctuations. But we're also going to just talk about what Modern is going to look like, if we agree with what the B&R announcements did. Uh, we're going to get everyone's take on that. So, um, yeah, and then we're going to talk a little bit about pre-release, myself, and Richard both went. Sadly, you have to wait a little bit a little bit longer, right, uh, Seth? Because uh, you don't play Paper Magic anymore, so not much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're gonna get our thoughts about that too. But let's just jump right in. BNR announcement. Uh, I have Ugin banned, and then Sword of the Meek and Ancestral Visions unbanned. So I want to get your takes first, Richard. What do you think? Man, I mean, I have Ugin, obvious. People expected it. Tron is kind of the side leader here, getting getting hit by the Eldrazi Banhammer. Uh, but people are going crazy over Ancestral Vision and Sword of the Meek, but I'm not convinced they're just Bitter Blossom 2.0. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that they'll be so impactful, but all these blue players are getting excited, and Ancestral Vision is going through the roof, so there'll be a lot of brewing, but I, I don't think, you know... It will be a dominant deck or anything. It might be just part of the metagame, and hopefully Modern will be a healthy metagame now that Eldrazi's gone, but I think people are a bit too overhyped about these new cards becoming unbanned. Yeah, I think those are some good points. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Well, I mean, Eldrazi had to go. We knew that for months now. It was pretty obvious. Uh, so I guess I was expected. I still was sort of rooting for Eldrazi Temple, either in place of I or along with I, I think Eldrazi might still be part of the metagame, but it's definitely not going to be what it was before. It's just so much less explosive and consistent now. Uh, as far as the unbannings, I figured that Ancestral Visions was going to get unbanned in the next year, but I'm a little surprised that it happened at the same announcement. I really thought they were just going to see what modern looked like without Eldrazi and without Twin. So I'm a little surprised they did it now. And I kind of agree with Richard. I'm not sure either of these cards are just going to break the format. But as someone who likes brewing, I'm really excited because it does open up new possibilities. And it's at least at least worth trying out like a Tezzeret Agent of Bolas times combo deck now. And it's at least worth trying out some different controlling blue decks or blue mid-range decks because of Ancestral Visions. So as a brewer, it really excites me. But I guess only time will tell whether these cards really become format-defining in any way, or if they head down the Bitter Blossom route and are uh, part of the format now, but kind of on the fringe. Yeah, so you said some interesting points. I do feel like it may end up being a little better than Bitter Blossom. Like, I know it may seem like a do-nothing unbanned at this point, but um, obviously there's going to have to be a little time before we we settle down and see if it really is a do-nothing unbanned. Uh, I think just on the premise, unbanning uh, Ancestral Vision is good, whether it does, uh, again, whether it does nothing or or does something. 
remains to be seen, and everyone's really excited. But Blue really needed some help. So other than banning unbanning Jace the Mind Sculptor, which could, I guess, happen at some point, uh, this is obviously a nice first step. But the really the thing that concerns me is um, with these two unbans, and maybe they were uh, maybe they were going to do this all along. Uh, some of their reasoning behind the Eye of Ugin uh, banning was uh, they they kind of knew that the Eldrazi was going to become a thing. Uh, they I guess they just didn't realize it was going to completely dominate and not really leave much r- room for other archetypes to flourish. Uh, because it, it was in their reasoning that. They they knew about Eye of Ugin. They like didn't forget about the card. They didn't really like they were gonna make undercosted Eldrazi anyway, even without uh, Eye of Ugin being a card. But uh, yeah, it just needed to be banned, so I'm I'm fine with that. But then the two unbannings was just a little weird. So maybe it was just a plan all along to unban them in April, uh, because it's just we never. It's unfortunate because we're never really going to see what just banning Twin was going to do. So it's it's like it's kind of we never got to reset back to that point and see if just banning twin would help out any other archetype. So, but it is what it is now. Um, and I guess from like you said, Seth, the Brewers' standpoint, it, I guess it's going to be interesting to see if Opter Foundry and uh, Tezzeret or something like that and can can really make uh, the the combo thrive, or if Ancestral Visions suddenly makes. Archetypes like fairies good again because I mean in standard they were playing ancestral visions anyway. I don't know if people remember that, but uh, yeah. So it is interesting. I guess we just move along and it's a whole new modern. But it's just a little unfortunate that we'll never get to see what the landscape looks like uh, when we rewind it back to just twin banning. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I I don't know. Their argument or one of their arguments for the twin banning was. It was going to increase the diversity of blue decks. So now it's, I find it a little interesting that they unbanned what are essentially two blue cards. Like um, both cards will primarily be played in blue decks or blue XX. So we will we will never get to find out whether that was true or not. Like would getting rid of Splinter Twin actually increase the diversity of blue decks and we'll have all these different archetypes? Or would it have failed and that line of reasoning uh, end up being faulty? Now we don't know because people are going to try blue decks based on these unbannings, not based on the twin bannings. Like, I actually think the Eye of Ugin ban does more for blue decks than the Ancestral Vision unban, right? Like, I forgot, like, some pros said this, like, Eye of Ugin was the best turn one play and the best turn seven play. You can't have a card be both. And I think that was what was holding blue decks back. So I think Eye of Ugin will, will help that, but... I don't know, Ancestral Vision is, is weird, right? Like, what, what do blue decks suffer against? Is it aggro decks? Is it ramp decks? Like, why are blue decks not thriving in modern? Because Ancestral Vision is this weird mid-range card. Like, you need to draw it turn one, and it helps you on turn four, five, six. But if you top deck it anytime afterwards, the most terrible card ever. So it's weird. And then you also have Wasteland Strangler, which can just randomly process this, which makes you very sad. And you currently have Painful Truth, which is a three-mana draw three, which is pretty close. The only difference is with Ancestral Vision, you can hold up, like, a mana leak or something when it goes off, whereas Painful Truth, you you can't do that. So I I don't know what Ancestral Vision will do, but I think Eye of Ugin banning will help control decks. You can actually go long in your control deck and, you know, not get an Ulamog cast menu or not get a Karn, or not a Karn, but a 
like a worm coil or something uh, dug up and just like ruin your entire control plan. Well, uh, I'd be interested to hear your both of your opinions on whether this does enough to make blue control decks playable in modern. Because I'm still skeptical if this is enough or it's just the first step in that direction. I think there's... I, I'm leaning towards first step. Um, obviously, things remain to be seen, but sort of the meek with the Thopter uh, Foundry, like that combo, whether it just being like a Tezra Agent of Bolas deck or get incorporated some other way into like a Lantern Control deck or something like that, that is a kind of a way to stave off uh, aggressive lists. So that does help. And Ancestral Visions obviously helps too. But like Richard said, there's always like... There's Eldrazi... Uh, there's Wasteland Strangler. There is ways to combat stuff like that, but I think the the sort of the meat combo uh, could help with um, control decks or more mid range decks that lean towards uh, control. Uh, really, again, it's going to help with these hyper aggressive lists in uh, in modern, and it, it actually does uh, kind of neuter affinity at the same time without having to straight up ban a card. Even though I would have been okay with them banning. Uh, Mox Opal because we're already hearing rumors, like the murmurs of, well, Affinity never really got a, a ban yet, and it's like the only deck in Modern that hasn't had to, that hasn't had to de- deal with that. But uh, the Sword of the Meat combo does does numbers against Affinity. It's it's really hard to punch through. I, so it does help. Yeah, I I mean I think that's true. The reason I'm a little skeptical about Sword of the Meek and the combo in specific is when this was a dominant deck uh, in, like, extended yeah. five or six years ago, not only did it have the Dark Depths uh, Vampire Hexmage combo, it's like the, the second half of the deck, but there wasn't Abrupt Decay. There wasn't scavenging yeah. use. There's a lot of cards that can disrupt the combo now that just weren't part of Extended back then. So I wonder if it'll still be good enough, even with main deck Abrupt Decays and scavenging use and Relics of Progenitus and stuff that just wasn't there when this first came out. Right. That that certainly will be a roadblock, but when you think about it, what it really is going to help against is, is the stuff like Affinity, the stuff like Zoo, uh, you know, all these aggressive lists, which don't really play those cards. But it's really so. slow against those decks, right? Like, you need two halves of your combo. One half does nothing. Like, to me, it's just a random finisher. It's kind of like in Legacy, like Esper Stoneblade randomly runs this combo sometimes. Like... Right. You gain control, and whether you slam a Sun Titan, an Elspeth, or a Sword of the Meek Thopter combo, it's like it doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah, that's most true. of the time you can't do anything on the early turns with the need both halves. Um, the thing it does have going forward is you gain life, right? So yeah. that life helps you stabilize against aggro, but in terms of hating it out, like, uh, Knight, Knight of Souls Betrayal or whatever, the four mana enchantment, all creatures get minus one, minus one. That's already commonly played, uh, in sideboards, Curse of Death's Hold. Uh, also a thing, illness in the ranks. Like yep, we, we have lingering soul. We have affinity. We have infect. We have all these decks where these effects are really good against. So it, it's kind of like lantern control, where you just get randomly hated out by affinity hate. Right? <laughs> like if affinity wasn't in the format, lantern control would be so good. But because everyone's prepared for affinity, you're just kind of already prepared for lantern control, and sort of the meek falls in the same category. Right? My shatterstorm for affinity is just going to hit sort of the meek anyway. Right, Coligan's Command, Scavenging Ooze, Abrupt Decay, like all these just kind of hit the combo incidentally without me even trying to target this deck. So I think Seth is kind of right there where the format's kind of changed and people are just naturally prepared for, you know, an artifact combo. Yeah. So, but I mean, if Wizards is correct in that the unbannings were safe, 
this is what we expect. None of these would make too much of an impact, right? <laughs> if they became the next Eldrazi, then Wizards would have screwed up again, yeah. right? So you would assume that most of these cards will, will do the Bitter Blossom thing, will do the World Gorger Dragon thing, and kind of just hang out and maybe be usable, but if they start dominating the format, that means screwed up again. I, yeah. And, I mean, I will say, it is awesome that they unban them. They've been pretty stingy with unbanning things in Modern, so the fact that they actually took the step to unban two cards, I think is a good sign for, for Modern that shows that Wizards is willing to take some things off the list and take some amount of risk. Like, we all kind of think somewhere between the cards could be okay and not be very good, but still, they took the risk of taking them off the ban list. So that's exciting to me, because it means that this could keep happening through the future, and the more cards we get off the ban list, the better for the format, I think. Obviously, broken cards need to stay banned, but the more cards like this we can get into the format, the better. Well, what this means is we're never getting a Bloodbraid Elf unbanned. <laughs> that, that's, that's the biggest news here. Everyone's like, aww, <laughs> we're never getting Bloodbraid Elf now that there's Ancestral Vision. Yep. <laughs> Same for Stoneforge, probably. Yeah. What? Who's gonna well, we have, we have Ardent the Plea, Richard. We have Ardent Plea. <laughs> we still have Ardent Plea. I mean, when you think about it, it's it's, it's pay three, draw three. Yeah. If you build it that way. But Just you got to... Two cards. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe it could work. I don't know. It's just so hard. You got to restrict your death. Uh, yeah, it's, your no, it's, so much. it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do love drawing three, though. I know that the absolute blowout, though, is Eldrazi. Like, that's what scares me is suspending yep. this on turn one and waiting three turns. And right before it's about to come down, they Wasteland Strangler, Strangler or Blight Herder and process it. And that is such yep. a blowout. You could ricochet trap it. Ooh. You could draw yourself three cards. <laughs> There's a black card that does as well, two mana. You can redirect. Like it's yeah. a misdirect. Yeah, it's so like... I'm ready. You just, like, turn three, thought sees them get that cryptic or whatever out, and then you take, <laughs> take their three cards. You're like, what's up? So are you actually start digging up your rifts? Well, <laughs> maybe the craziest part about this, though, is some of the price changes. Good oh, God. Uh, Muddle the Mixture, a $2 card now. Tezzeret shot up 146% to almost 40 bucks. Yeah. Time Seaf up 351% to 14 bucks. Thopter Foundry up almost 2,000% to $10. From a 49 cent. Yeah. yeah. Like, anyone even it, play magic? Up. That is my question. <laughs> like, what? Does anyone even play magic? Like, I, have, have I been don't know. Have they been testing for like two I, years, I, and they're just waiting for this moment? They're like, I know this is the deck. This is a tier one deck. And it's, well, it's well, who, like, we go. Yeah. And, like, who's buying this? Like, who's that hardcore into, like, the Thopter Foundry combo <laughs> that they're willing to play this? Like, fuck. Finally, the Thopter Foundry combo. Oh my god, I have to do it. It's like it's like it's cool and everything, but I mean, do you really want to pay like fifteen dollars for Sword of the Unme? Ten dollars for Thopter Foundry? My I was god. actually talking to Seth yesterday. Ancestral Vision is fifty bucks, right? So two hundred dollars yeah. a playset. And looking on eBay, these playsets are selling. It's not yeah, they just you know listing them at high prices, but I are, I had a playset. I, I tell you right here on this cast, I had a playset of. Tezzeret Agent of Bolas just rotting in my binder for a long time. Sold them for thirty bucks each. People are buying them. It's crazy. I will. Tezzeret 
deter players in Legacy with their decks. <laughs> like, oh, I just need yeah. more pieces, and then all of a sudden, their deck like, yep. doubles in price for. I just, I still don't know if this, the the agent of Bolas, or if the Seeker is the, to be building around. I think so. I don't even know. I think I've thought for a long time that agent of Bolas is maybe the best planeswalker that doesn't see play anywhere. Like, I think that card is super powerful, and it it, it really is a great planeswalker. I will. I will definitely agree with you. So there. that's why I'm excited for it. It just, I, the card is powerful. It has never yeah. found a home in any format. But I'll format. tell you what, the, the first Tezzeret really enables some crazy things, too. The the tutor ability is, the I think, the main reason to play Tezzeret the Seeker. The fact that you can yeah. tutor up either half of your combo directly on the battlefield and then go off, that is pretty appealing. Yeah. Shatter. So I don't know, but, I mean, again, <laughs> this is this... We kind of go through this all the time, Seth, so this is really not nothing new to us, but I think a lot of this is just really emotion-based, and that's that's when you tend to make your worst financial uh, decisions is based off emotion. I mean, people are buying them, which is even more insane, but none of this is even proven yet. Like, what if people are testing and, you know, Sam Black and all these people, or even just large playgroups that aren't necessarily pros, just end up figuring out that, it's exactly like Richard said. It's a do nothing unban like Bitter Blossom. I mean, it'll have some of its uses. Like we're not. It's not going to be completely do nothing. Bitter Blossom does see play and, and like tokens and stuff like that. It's not necessarily a super tier one, like solid tier one deck. It'll obviously have some impact. But what if you know people are just going to be really disappointed? I mean, it's just well. I don't know. And to be fair, this happens all the time. I'm just I'm looking yeah. at Bitter Blossom's price chart right now. Yep. Right when it became unbanned, it shot up. Oh man, the judge the judge promos were like 120 dollars, and people were paying. Yeah, Morning Tide was 93 bucks at its peak yeah. for a short while, and then obviously it fell to 60, fell to 50, got reprinted, and and now it's 30 yeah, bucks. Like, yeah. So. That's what I expect for these cards. Uh, even if they end up being really good in modern, I don't think you're going to be paying uh, $200 a playset for Ancestral Visions a year from yeah. now, even if it is part of a real deck. And, and I, there, there is some merit to the to this uh, kind of growing uh, conversation, and I, I'm, I'm starting to think this is true, that this might have been on their schedule all along, and we're going to see reprints of these cards in Eternal Masters. Well, That's just, I, I think that's likely to happen and it 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 would be great because then they release another kind of wave of supply for these cards and uh i guess maybe they plan this out all along so prices don't go crazy like so that. here's a question that does make sense one more question i want to ask both of you about this my first instinct when i saw this was they're getting rid of the modern pro tour if they were going to keep the modern pro tour they would have waited and done this to shake up the format before the pro tour they kind of uh, did their big banning early this year, so now what are they going to do if there's a modern Pro Tour? I think you're right. I think the second part of this unbanning tells me you're right, Seth. Because if it was just Eye of Ugin, which everyone was kind of anticipating anyway as an, like an emergency ban, I guess, then I, I think they would have kept it. But that second part in there, unbanning stuff just randomly like that, which it, it was pretty random. Can we agree on that? Like, oh, yeah. It felt random, but maybe to them it wasn't. Like I said, there there could be that conversation where, and I'm starting to think it's getting a lot more merit that they plan this all along, and then they have the re release valve in Eternal Masters or even Conspiracy. They can throw a, an uncommon like Sword of the Meek or Thopter Foundry in a car, in a set like Conspiracy. Why not? Yeah. Who cares, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right, Seth. That this that second part really uh, what I think is your 
is the Trump of that argument. Uh, I disagree with the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> it's not really a conspiracy. It's just I I think they are competent as a company and they realize that uh, this would be the best time, if any, to do it. And maybe they just didn't think Eldrazi was going to be that powerful and they were going to unban these cards anyway, but not have to ban I of U- Yeah, I, I think... I think Oath of the Gatewatch Pro Tour showed Wizards that people like Modern and will watch a Pro Tour. So I I don't think they can just turn around and axe the Modern Pro Tour just based on the success of the last one. And we already know they've been testing Ancestral Vision uh, unbanned for quite a while now. So to me, it's just like, we've tested it for a while, it's safe, and they were going to do it this time around, but then they had to emergency ban Ayavugan, so that's why they're just both lumped together. And they didn't want to, you know, save it for a future one or anything like that. But I don't think this means anything about the modern Pro Tour. I think, if anything, we're more likely to have a modern Pro Tour just based on how well Oath of the Gate Watch did. That's true. And, you know, how everyone just apparently loves modern, right? Like, modern has yeah. so much support, so I don't see them doing and another 180 and just axing the Pro Tour. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, but at the same time, we asked for them, so they were kind of catering to us. Yes. So I think originally they're like, oh, no one wants modern. Pro-. Right. And then everyone's right. like, no, 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 we actually want one. So they put it back. And then people actually wanted it. It was fairly successful. Well, so I think yeah. this shows them that that was the right decision and they'll continue. It. That, right. that scares me for two reasons. First, it scares me because it means we should expect the crazy, we got to get rid of twin because we got a pro tour banning every year still, which I think is a bad thing for modern. And it scares me because the reason... Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch was a success is because it busted Modern. Like, that's the reason everyone was excited, because they printed an overpowered deck in a new set, and it busted the format, and now we have to have emergency bannings. Yeah, but the, yeah. the next big ban, they, they still have that one pencil. <laughs> so so don't, don't worry, there I'm are ready more for it. I've ban. been ready. Yeah, I've been ready for so it. So what are they going to print in the next winner set to break Modern? So the Pro Tour is exciting. <laughs> I have no idea. Vampire. <laughs> We're going to get Vampire Aggro. Super Tarmogoyf 2.0, where it's like even bigger than Tarmogoyf. Oh, modern. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I- I'm I'm really cool with these unbans. Uh, again, it was a little surprising, but uh, something tells me that they were these cards were being... Uh, this was going to happen sooner or later. So I guess they just felt... If we need to make an emergency ban, we might as well do it now. And I guess if they have another modern Pro Tour, there's enough time that's going to pass that people are going to t- be able to test this and acclimate to all these changes and all the ripple effects it's going to have. So they figure maybe next time around we won't have one deck that just dominates it. Yeah, I mean, they're good on bannings. I like on bannings, yeah. and I think they would have happened eventually. The only thing I'm surprised about is they did it now. I really thought, like I said in the beginning... It would just be Eldrazi, and they would wait and see what the format looked like, and then unban these cards sometime in the next year. Yeah, right. Because we, again, we, like I said earlier, we just never got a chance to see what twin just being banned does, right? Yeah, exactly. So, do you so. guys think Eldrazi are still a deck, and what version of Eldrazi? If, if I, so? I think Eldrazi is still a deck. I, I think oh, we well, go a back good deck. to <laughs> a tier one deck. Um, I think it'll be good enough. I, I think Tron will end up just becoming what the Aldrazi was. was uh, like, no, maybe either the, they both stick around to some capacity, but I think it'll be good enough, yeah. I don't know about Tier 1. I think Eldrazi will still be part of the format, but I, if I had yeah. to guess right now, I'd say maybe Tier 2 or something. Like, good enough to spike a tournament on a good week, but sure. not the best stacker in the top 
three to five decks in the format. Yeah, and as ter- uh, in terms of the version, to answer your other question, uh, Richard, I think we go back to the large processor list with like uh, what's the what's the enchantment? Uh, Heartless Summoning or something like that, yeah. or just like the big Tron Eldrazi. We we saw those in a couple of tournaments, right, Seth? Where it's basically Tron uh, with the Tron pieces, and then you're just building up that way too. And we just it's it's more centered around processors again. Yeah, I, because if, if Ancestral Vision is going to be a thing. Obviously, Wasteland Strangler, Blighthurter, all that stuff is really good. Yeah, exactly. I think that uh, Eldrazi Mimic, Matter Reshaper, those cards are probably not as much part of the format anymore. Right. But the cards that will be part of the format will be Wasteland Strangler again, Blighthurter, Oblivion Sower, into the big Eldrazi Titan. So I think that that yeah. would be the direction I would go if I was going to build Eldrazi right now. Yeah, me too. And I mean, Wasteland Strangler is still good against, like, all these other decks, too. I mean, it kills, like, Wild Knack and the Coddles. It kills uh, Affinity stuff. So it, it's not just a do-nothing card. And it... It just happens to be good against... <laughs> really good against Ancestral Vision also. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. And it gets better because of Ancestral Vision, which, even if it's bad, people are going to play it a lot for the next few months because everyone's going to want to try to make it good. Right, so we sell all our, all our Reality Smashers mostly. I think Reality Smasher could find a place in there still. Uh, so we sell all those, and then are we all just hoarding Blight Herders and, and Wasteland Stranglers again? Like, is that where we're going again? I don't even know if I would sell those, just because I think that deck's going to be very good in standard. So I think those cards oh, still yeah, have a yeah. have a place because of that. So I'm not too worried about selling off all the Eldrazi. Um, but yeah, I think... Like I said, Blight Herder, Wasteland, Strangler, Strangler, Oblivion, Zord. Just basically go back to before Oath of the Gatewatch release yes. and look at how those Eldrazi decks were, which were just starting to gain traction, and something along those lines, but with Thought Not Seers in them now and probably a couple Oath of Gatewatch editions. Yeah. Actually, yeah, because if we go back to that, they were playing, like, what? Like, eight? <laughs> uh, eight like, four Relics and, like, three Scrabbling Claws? Yeah. That actually doesn't that work like doesn't that help against the uh, the sword of the meat combo too? Get sword out of there. It does. It's actually so, pretty good. For I the mean, <laughs> actually, this, this might be better than tier two. <laughs> it has it can combat everything. So there you go. Wait, is, you got, is you got the relic of progenitus? You got wasteland strangler for for visions. It's like the the best deck to fight all the unbanning stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so take that. It'll just evolve. I'm I'm excited. Um, any more kind of uh. Any more thoughts on the BNR announcement? So, what what would you what are you looking to play? Like, if you had to go to a large GP after the ban uh, and restricted announcement, so those are active. What do you play, Richard? Jund. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not just because you have Jund built, right? <laughs> Maybe I I, I I think I think VGX is no, always cost opposition. is no cost is not a concern. Yeah, cost is no concern. I I think VG I, like I'm not scared of VGX. I'm not scared of Thopter. Okay. So nothing. If anything. My matchup got better more, because Cole there's no Jazzy. Pardon? If you pack a couple more Colgan? Uh I already have two in the seventy five. I don't like I don't I'm li- like literally the only change I would do is probably add in that black ricochet trap. Maybe one or two. And oh, okay. because there, it's not even a bad card. Like in a mid range mirror, like if you just redirect a removal spell, that's a two So yeah. like the, the only thing is my sideboard slots dedicated to mid range decks might change a bit, which to, you know, handle Ancestral Vision, but Sword of the Meek I don't even care about. <laughs> I'm not doing anything about that card. Just dust off those abrupt kids. And if Tron becomes a thing again, then you just throw in some more Crumbles or throw in some more Fulminators. I actually think Scapeshift is probably going to be a big player in the metagame. 
everyone I know on the Aljazi deck wants to shift after the, the Titan. Uh, it's it seems like a reasonable deck. It seems like the most unfair thing you do now. So that's true. I don't know though. That deck it seems like if people are playing Visions and playing Counterspell decks, it gets way worse. Like I'm never am scared of the Titan list if I'm playing a Counterspell deck. Well, can't like, you just throw in some Cavern of Souls, or does that not work? That I mean, that helps get the Titan down. So that that is, um, and there might be less Ghost Quarters in the format to deal with them now. But you only have like four spells that matter. You got four Scape Shifts. You have four Titans. Other than that, you're literally trying to like rampant growth your way into killing someone <laughs> with Valica, which is kind of a tedious process. Um, <laughs> if I was gonna play a deck though, uh, and I wanted to like win the tournament, I would probably go with some sort of aggro deck, uh, Naya Blitz or maybe Affinity, something like that. But the deck, I- what? Yeah, <laughs> Affinity. Affinity's always good. You heard it here first. <laughs> Episode 63, <laughs> Seth will play Affinity. Oh my god. But, since I care more about having fun than winning tournaments, and oh. I hate those decks, I would probably try to brew up some sort of Tezra Agent of Bolas list that maybe goes uh, infinite with Time Sieve and uh, Thopter <laughs> tokens. Just, you're playing all the cars that have spiked <laughs> yesterday. Yes. Yes. You're really yes. just killing yourself right there. <laughs> <laughs> We're killing your wallet. There's only one deck for me, Seth. You're sticking with, sticking with Affinity? <laughs> There's only one deck for me this we're, we're going with the artificial intelligence we're going with robots affinity all the way i mean i've been playing the deck for so long it's i don't really know if i could just i guess if i tested another deck um i think scape shift would pretty be pretty fun but i don't know if it will will be good enough to spike a tournament like that i don't know can, i think affinity yeah can you play a uh, sword of the meek in affinity you have lots of one ones but that's way too you get to equip it for free and get in for like two yeah but it like kills one. that well nah. <laughs> Yeah. It's basically like cranial plating 2.0. <laughs> I guess if they ban cranial plating, that'll be my equipment. <laughs> Going forward. <laughs> it's not, it's not technically, it, it's still, I guess, fine, but it's just not plus 10 plus zero. You and know? then, and then you just throw in the Thopter foundries and maybe some time seeds and you can be like a, ma- a mix up of uh, an infinite combo deck and affinity. Yeah. Think of all the artifacts well, you can stack to time sieve. All your ornithopters. I would go Affinity just because, like, I just love playing the deck, but I have a feeling I would run into a lot of Artifact hate. It's going to be Stony Silence, Colligan's Command, just all this, all this. Chaz, while we're on the topic of Tezzeret, why doesn't any Affinity list anymore play Tezzeret? Like, why is that not a thing in modern? I, I honestly don't know, because it, it was actually pretty good for... I mean, people have played that version somewhat, like, for a little while, but... It's just really too slow at the end of the day. I think it's just, it's not really something that you can protect very well because, I mean, you're really just trying to zerg them. I mean, it's just not, I don't know. We're talking about Agent of Bolas. Yeah. yeah, Agent of Bolas. It's yeah. just, it's it's, it's so too slow. much mana. It's, it is slow. It's just. Like, I don't know what you want for land. You don't. So. Like, yeah, and but yeah, so. because like once you get a once you get like a spring leaf drum or an opal, like you're pretty much good. You don't really want to draw land, and, and you're just that you're not really going that route. Like you're just trying to either kill them with an ink, ink moth nexus with like a cranial plating, or you're just trying to combat damage them down. You can plus one and grab an ornithopter. <laughs> Solid <laughs> like, turn five. Yeah, and because yeah, <laughs> even the plus one, like what do you get? Like a mem knight? Like <laughs> I guess that's okay, but not really. <laughs> It does. The ultimate is sweet, though, and it's only one turn, and you so just amazing. win the game on the spot. Yeah, yeah, it is sweet, but I, it's just like 
Uh, I don't know. I guess you can make your you can make your ink moth a five five. That would be that would be pretty cool. But yeah, it's just too slow. But uh, all right, let's move along. So we did pre-releases. So we'll go with you first, Richard. How did you like the shadows over Innistrad pre? Uh, so I opened the most terrible pool. <laughs> I had uh four lands. So I, I had dual lands, uh, Drownyard Temple as my stamped promo, and my my quote unquote bombs were Invocation of Saint Traft. Uh, Thalia's Lieutenant, and Hanweir Militia. So I, I cobbled together Man, that's uh, awesome. Bant Spirit Human Investigator. And I somehow got there. Like, almost all of my cards investigated. So I just drew, like, a butt-ton of cards and uh, just beat people down with flyers. And uh, it worked. And I'm very happy with the investigate mechanic. It seems just as overpowered as, as it looked on paper. Like, the... There's a bunch of cards, like the, the five mana card that puts a permanent on top of the library, and then you investigate. Like, it's uh, so good. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, Normally, yeah. You, would, you, would, you would play that, that five mana spell anyway, like, kind of right, like a time right. walk, but now you get it to investigate. The two mana white spell that taps two creatures and investigates, like, it's so good. It makes these cards so much better, because when you're behind, you can do that to fog a turn, but you get to draw a card. Right, whereas normally these cards, when you're behind, like you just kind of stall the turn and did nothing. So I, I really like investigate. It's a really cool mechanic, and I cashed in so many clue weekends. Yeah, I I thought investigate would not be nearly as good in limited. Like it would just be like kind of crappy. Like you won't really cash in as as much because the format just seemed kind of fast. But no, I, I Richard, I really like investigate too. I thought it was really really good to be doing some investigating during during some matches and it really does help you like in that mid to I, I was playing red green werewolves in my first flight and even i investigated just a couple times with like a tireless tracker and it really helped me keep my hand full like in that middle uh part of the game where it's actually really important so i really like that uh but yeah, I thought it was going to be pretty good for standard kind of uh a couple cards would get there with investigate but yeah, I'm really liking it in limited. Just overall, I, I I haven't done a pre-release in a few sets now, and it was just really fun. I don't know if it's the original Innistrad, but it's it's pretty close. It was really fun. I don't know if you thought the same thing. I don't know if it was... I thought it was pretty close. To, uh, I don't remember what the first Innistrad field was like. All I know was it was oh, incredibly true, yeah. grindy. Like, all of my matches went to, to time, like, into five yeah. turns. And, you know, if someone won, it was, like, in those last turns. Yeah. Because, like, we, we're literally just sitting there drawing, like, six extra cards from Investigate, and we have all yeah. these, like, dirtily do-nothing creatures. I noticed there's no... Well, I didn't see any, like, big, like, crazy big bombs. All the bombs were, like, kind of utility-based, like, uh... Yes. Odric or whatever. Odric was, like, such a... Be- the guy that yeah. gives all your creatures whatever ability you have. Yeah. That looks benign until you have, like, a single flyer, and like, your entire team just flies, and it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, and... and- it's every combat. Yeah. So on the blocking end, like if you have vigilance on like, on one of your creatures or flying or both, it's really insane. So yeah, I I didn't open an Audric. Uh, so I did two flights. I did re- red green werewolves, and then I just like did a blue white like stuff because I I opened up an always watching, uh, which is which is a beating. Uh, that card is amazing. And then I just had a bunch of like spirits and stuff and like all this uh like, weird like I, I I think I played one of those counter spells. Uh, the, just the three mana one that could madness that ended up being fine. I had a Westvale Abbey, so I kind of just played Battle Cruiser Magic until I got <laughs> Thor Mendal out, uh, and it was actually really good. How did you like Westvale Abbey? I we were talking earlier. I played against a lot of people two of them. opened that. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of people opened Westvale Abbey. I actually played it, it and it, I thought it was good. 
I thought it was fine. Did you actually sacrifice your creatures and hit someone with the demon? Yeah, I did. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I actually played against two of them, and they did nothing. Because you just aggressively trade creatures, and if you are feeling frisky and want to sacrifice five legitimate and someone bounces your flip card, you're going to be very, very sad because you just one side. Right. Well, I mean, you have to be a little, you have to be kind of tactical yeah. about it. But uh, yeah, I did I did close out a game with a Mendel, yeah. It wasn't really often, but just just pumping out a 1-1 with, and, and then dropping always watching was honestly pretty good. So that's really the, that's really the main reason. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was just a really fun event. Uh, werewolves seem so much better this time around. Uh, so, like, last time, you would get these creatures that aren't really that good. They're they're obviously a lot better when they're flipped, but, the, the like, the human side, most of them weren't really that good for the, the mana cost. But now it feels like you're getting a creature on curve, or even above curve. I mean, a 4-mana 3-4, I guess, is pretty fine. The uh, Solitary Watcher, yeah. or even, like, the Neck Break Rider, or the Break Neck Rider. And then once they flip, it's like... They're just amazing. I mean, a five-six like vanilla werewolf is like so much bigger than basically anything on the back. Even like the hinterland logger, or logger like the two to cast two one that flips into a four-two. It's like a tarmogoyf hitting you, right? Yeah, with trample. Yeah. I, I I I dropped on the play. I dropped the the logger on turn two, and they missed a play. It was just over. It, that was a downhill battle. Real quick. Plus, you have like clue tokens uh, to help you flip. Yeah. You can just pass with a plan yep. of cashing in clue tokens and flip all your werewolves. So I like the synergy there. Yep. Red was really strong. Avison's Judgment is a blowout. Uh, that card's really good in uh, limited. But uh, yeah, I-, I played some really weird lists. Uh, Vampires almost uh, almost got me. Uh, but I just felt like like I was able to race them a little better because I mean my creatures were just really big and there's are pretty good, but not like a 5-6 or even like breakneck rider. And then if it's like you're attacking, then all of a sudden your cards flip and you're able to crack back and like basically kill them. So, I mean, break, neck breaker is just a bro. <laughs> that card's nuts. And uh, I like Tireless Tracker. That card's awesome. And what else did I see? Um, Startled Awake with Geist Blast is pretty broken, too. <laughs> Do you even need the Geist Blast? <laughs> just Startled Awake by itself? Uh, no, but apparently, like, just middle in the game, like, you just lose. Yeah. Like, I, I've had it, I've, I've seen it done, and it was a pretty much unwinnable situation. They went Geist Blast, they flashed back to Startled Awake, and it was game over. They couldn't, they, they lost on their next turn. Oh, I have very important news. I played Thraben Inspector in my deck. That's the, the one mana one to investigate. Oh. And it was decent because there's the there's the three there's a bunch of X ones in the format. Like yeah, there is block, but it has uh, Thalia's Lieutenant synergy. It has yep. uh, Hand Warrior Militia synergy and Unruly Mob synergy. So it yes. was actually like not terrible. <laughs> I think that card could be good enough for standard, the Thraven Inspector, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Uh, but yeah. Basically, basically LVG slash Doom Traveler, basically. <laughs> it really isn't Doom Traveler, but uh, sure, sure. It could be much but, more. Uh, the card you investigate of five fives is so much more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah. Obviously, you can't chime in. We'll get we'll get your take later on. Yeah, I I played the original Ravnica block all weekend. <laughs> oh, okay. So, all right. So, how's that? How'd that go? How'd that? Oh, go? well, I had to. I think I tweeted about this, but Wizards. I'm glad that they're doing these flashbacks, but if they give me the choice between playing drafting a set that I know is the best set of all time and getting out of my house and driving 45 minutes to a game store to play a set that I have no clue about, even if it's new. 
uh, it's not really much of a choice for me. Like, it's so hard <laughs> to pass that up. So, But you could do both. So it's Wizard's fault, really, that I didn't go to a pre-release. Oh, yeah, that's Because it. they put you full block it. Ravnica blocks up on Moto <laughs> at the same time. So in the future, if you want me to go to pre-release, put, like, 8th edition or Kamigawa up on Magic Online. And I'll <laughs> hey, hey, how dare you speak bad about Kamigawa. <laughs> No, Kamigawa. It's a love hate with Kamigawa. Yeah, limited. I I don't I don't hate Kamigawa as a set, but limited is. Oh my god, I hate limited. Kamigawa limited. Oh my god, that's bad. Limited was pretty brutal. Like every single card is like an eight mana two two that has soul shift. <laughs> so how do you how do you evaluate that? Like it just doesn't make any sense. You play those. Uh, you play the the, the what are those moths? Uh, like what are those? I forget the ah. Oh. They were like us. Like if you opened like any number of these, like you basically oh, you're, you're limited release. Are they the not the the enchantments? No, no, no. They're like they're moths. Uh, oh, man, I oh, like that. something moth rider. It's like a a flyer, right? A white flyer. Yeah, and it could like tap and do something. I think. Yeah. Uh, or you open a a Umazawa's Jite, uh, Obviously, that'll win you the draft. Too. Why? But yeah, that that format is so bad. I don't know how we're talking about that during our pre the pre-release section. <laughs> says random comic. Well, we had to include you. You were the only. You were the odd man out on this one. No, so. but I will be very much looking forward to drafting it and maybe even playing some sealed on Moto once it okay. releases in a couple weeks. So okay. Now I d- I had some success with sealed, so I went four zero and uh in each uh flight. I don't know how. I guess you know I, I just pulled really you good did stuff. Did or how many how many fights did you do? I did two back to back. Wow. So it was like ten hours. No, it was like uh started at one. I didn't get out of there till like ten o'clock or something like that. Nine hours of magic. Whew. That's like Ooh, almost it's like day a one of JP. JP right? <laughs> But I was like, I was really into it, and everyone wanted to do another one, so I was like, all right, whatever. I have nothing to do. I'll just. It's a Saturday. I, I had no plans, so I just went went for so, it. So Richard, uh, you mentioned your pool was horrible, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure you said that every single pre-release since we started doing the podcast. <laughs> Not, I think yeah, those are the first words. What is my friend said? My friend said. But the you, cards he's talking about, like all those cards, are actually really good. Like. The militia, the Thraben, like uh, Thalia's lieutenant, Cathar, like My those are all really. Feature different. was a four five, the five mana four five. Oh, that thing! I, oh. I actually played the five mana three five, where you can pay two to put a card back underneath. <laughs> so I don't know. Every every pre release, I say my pool is terrible, and then I like go like. 3-0 or 201 or something. So maybe I just know nothing about sealed. I, I don't know. You're one of those like you're 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 one of those at the draft tables like oh I drafted such a bad deck and then like I opened four lands, which everyone. did nothing. Like the dual lands are useless. <laughs> I I had a light splash in my werewolves list for like two cards just because I pulled a fortified village and I was like yeah I'll use it why not I had a couple loam dryads is that the dryad is that loam dryad or something like that yeah something dryad. And uh, so I had a couple of those in a fortified village, and I splashed for like two white cards. I'm I'm pretty sure at pre-release it's correct to play your dual lands even if you don't splash, just to like show off the fact that you opened them. Like if it's a shock yeah. or a fetch, <laughs> like yeah, I, it's not actually fixing my mana, but look at this twenty dollar rare I opened. Where's your twenty dollar rare opponent? <laughs> you mean five dollar rare? But, oh, yeah. one thing I wanted oh. to mention was the garbage mechanic, delirium. Have you, did you ever see anyone get delirium online, Chaz? Not. 
not like on a timely manner. It, it was nearly. <laughs> it was like impo- I, it was I had so the hard. ooze. I had the the three three ooze. Oh, an oxerable blob. I got delirium online once, right? It's yeah. the entire it's tournament, tough. and it's nearly impossible. Like you, you can't do it without a thought scour or something. Yeah, it, it, in limited, like you have to end up playing like really terrible cards to like you have to play like that that three mana three one like artifact creature that witch dude I, <laughs> I played some like, that. like oh. the equipment that like self made like shard of glass or something oh, <laughs> oh. Do, do you question how good my pool is I, I played that in there because it was a way to pump my flyers and like miraculously turn on delirium but delirium cannot be turned on so delirium is pretty tough to turn on people don't realize like it it isn't terrible but when people don't even realize that like an artifact creature counts for two like counts for two cards against delirium like when you have to explain that i mean i don't know how how uh hard it is but yeah it it was pretty tough um we do have some fish mail so let's get into some fish mail richard all right uh at Fundosh. Uh, BFZ has Expeditions. Shadows has Flip Cards. What other possibilities are there for other blocks to pump up? Uh, well, I don't think this is something we're going to see every set. I think they just happen to... Expeditions just happen to fit the flavor of Battle for Zendikar, partly because of the hidden treasures or whatever it was with the originals. And then the Flip Cards just so happen to fit the flavor of Innistrad, so I don't expect this to be an every set thing. And the sweet thing about EV is something is going to fill in that gap. Uh, when uh, when we say it's adding, e- it, that means that that slot is worth that amount of EV, but so, it's not like it's actually seeing the value of the box because other cards are going to give up that money so it evens out in the end anyway. Right, and that's what I was going to say, Seth. I mean, it, all, it, it ends up evening out anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a gimmick every single time. But uh, if they keep making just really good sets, I mean, um, they, they re- there really isn't a, going to be a gimmick every time. Uh, maybe they start just jamming four Planeswalkers into every set. Uh, the the uh, good but, thing about Shadows Packs is you have a chance for the triple rare pull. Yeah. You can get the normal rare, the flip rare, and the foil rare. So you could theoretically yep. get triple mythic out of a pack. So that that's exciting. That is exciting. Which is which is honestly somewhat better than some of the expeditions. <laughs> <laughs> a good chunk of them anyway. But yeah. Enjoy uh, your Horizon Canopy. Stop complaining. <laughs> uh, at Josh P- So far, cards selected to be the FNM promos in 2016 are puzzlingly bad. What do you think the selection method? Uh, so this is in response. The latest announcement was Sylvan Scrying. And then before Which that, a pretty good it was a Goblin Warchief. Yeah, that, that one wasn't bad either. I don't know. Well, Maybe we just got spoiled. But I thought there used to be a selection method. Didn't there used to be some like sort of process that they... That they did, it was like it's supposed to coincide with like what's going on. No, I don't. I remember they used to be pretty good for like a long time. Uh, yeah. I don't know why it's the uh, shocking or whatever the word was used because they've been giving us really bad F and M promos for years now. Uh, I mean, they give us some good ones. We had Serum V. Yeah, I mean, they they like I said, they had like a long string of good ones for like quite some time. I mean, I guess it depends on your definition of good. Like, yes, we got like Hordling Outbursts, we got a path to exile and serum visions for modern masters. And even Sylvan Scrying isn't a bad card. That's a modern oh. playable card. But if you're expecting like the old days back in like 2009, it was like <laughs> Kitchen Finks, Marrow Regery, Mall yeah. Lightning Greaves, Pendle Haven, Wall of Roots. Like they're, they don't give us Eternal Witness. They don't give us those type of cards anymore. Uh, uh, remember Emrakul pre-release promo? 
man. Oh, yes. But I would like to see a lightning bolt. How how hard is it to put a lightning bolt? That, yeah. It's you not could, that expensive well, a card. If they, if they actually kept up with the player rewards program and didn't shut that down, we would have had a lightning bolt. I think I mean, they did a lightning bolt for that, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I think they did... For Modern Masters, they did a couple of promos in a row focused on uh, Modern. So yeah. maybe they'll give us a lightning bolt this summer for Eternal Masters. <laughs> like, that could be a card that they could do that with or something similar. Pre-release yeah. pro- Whoa, wait. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it's okay. I mean, we like Smash to Smithereens was not bad. There's some really... Yeah, I thought there were some decent ones. There's some there. bad standard cards. What is it? Like Order of Ojitai or something? Clash of Wills? Oh, yeah. There's some bad standard ones, but the non-standard ones have been kind of okay. And at the the same time, I think that part of it, too, is Wizards, we've talked about it before, like their future future league and their testing, like, actually isn't all that good always. Because I remember seeing, like, several future league decks with Orator of Ojitai. So I think they really just thought that that was going to be a standard playable card, and it (laughs) didn't work out in practice, but they had already, like, planned... The F and M promo yeah. did not. It did not work out at all. <laughs> I would actually. It looks like a wall of omens almost, and I love wall of omens. Like I, I am tempted to try playing it, but it just is never good enough. It's so inconsistent. Wait, yeah. Which fed is it? In? Is it still legal? This dragons. Yeah, it's, it's in dragons. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Ah, man, it has you, a chance. You play, a, you play. Yeah, you play a wall. I mean, you still have Ojitai. Uh, at despair. Faction. Uh, hey guys, will fetches be solid long-term specs? If so, buy-in price. And when will the biggest price drop occur? I assume uh, he's referring to the KTK fetches, which are yes. rotating suits. Yeah. So there's probably going to be a slight drop-off during rotation, but I, I don't. I guess that could be seen as the biggest price drop, but it's not going to be by much. And uh, fetches are always good to hold. On. Yeah, I agree with Chaz. I'm not expecting they could. I mean, a lot of them are in the 20-ish dollar range, high teens now. They might lose $5 at the most, $3, $4, and dip down to like 15 or something. But I wouldn't be expecting $5 fetches or something. Everyone no. everyone is wise to the value of fetches at this point, so people aren't just going to dump them for no reason. Uh, like maybe would be the case in the past when card pricing and finance wasn't so prevalent. So yeah. so I would say if you want them, probably the next few months, maybe uh, before Eternal Masters comes out, sometime in that window is probably going to be the low. And then, yeah, they're a great long-term investment until they get reprinted again someday. Yeah. Uh, fetches are, like, I've come to the conclusion that fetches aren't really, the really, like, the best place to be speculating. Uh, these are the cards that you get for value and you just keep them because you'll always have them. And you'll be able to play whatever deck you want with them. Uh, obviously, I mean, obviously people will, you know, hoard these. And I'm not saying there won't ever be a person that doesn't uh, to try and gain some value on them. But um, it, it's it's probably going to be a long time. If I don't think maybe if ever that they're going to trend back up to their original pre-KTK uh, prices. There's just a lot of them out there. Uh, yeah, so. that would take a very long time, and by the time you start to get there, they'll be reprinted again. We will, yeah, we will the, see them again sooner or later. The question is whether yeah. it's three years or seven years. <laughs> yeah, and and when they inevitably reprint the Zendikar fetches, then it kind of again drops the price a little on the others because it, the alleviation of supply on the other fetches. So because we we saw that uh, they they dropped a, a bit the Zendikar fetches when. Uh, the onslaught fetches were printed. Yeah, like the the others were brought down a little bit. So, I mean, again, th- these aren't really like a speculative 
let me hoard like 500 of these. These are really like you grab them and you just hold on to them and just be happy they were $15. I don't know. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I view them too. If you're trying to make money, there's probably better places you can invest. But it should get your playset now if you're expecting to play modern for the next yeah. period of time. Like this is like your, forever. This is your, <laughs> we, we talk about this all the time, like the windows and how that's how you need collection building. Wait for modern masters to get your spell skites while they're cheap and et cetera. And this is the window for the fetch lands. If you're going to be playing fetch lands, get them in the next three to six months. And you'll be glad you did five years from now that you have your playset and you're not paying more for them then. Yeah. So if you want to play the long haul uh, on that kind of, uh, you know, purchase, then by all means. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, from at empty car, uh, I have an ancestral vision in my commander deck. It is not vital. What should I do with it? Will its value increase? I would be I would have sold it already. Yes. <laughs> so you, you take it out, list it on eBay and replace it with, um, let's see. Uh, treasures in your yeah there deck. you go yeah in commander there's so many card draw options I don't I don't know that you need to hold on to ancestral vision especially given its price I don't you can even buy a foil treasure cruise because they're not as expensive anymore honestly in <laughs> I play blue and commander a lot when we do the commander clash videos and I'm always searching for card draw spells and that one hasn't even come across like yeah, radar gonna, is something I would yeah I was gonna play say is commander. that even good maybe if you're playing like heads up commander or something but in multiplayer it seems like there are better card draw spells because it's just so bad off the top in the late game right three cards is not enough in commander <laughs> <laughs> yeah you need like the uh, the mind spring you know yep <laughs> uh, at mean mean pork help oh. I pulled a promo thing in the ice at pre-release am I supposed to dump this thing now or wait. If you don't, I would say dump. Uh, it's probably going to be at its highest point now. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I don't think it, it, it's a really good card. I don't think it's like a million dollars. It's like not going to be end up being like a Jace Fringe Prodigy, like a $100 foil. I might be eating my words, but um, I mean, if you if you intend to play with it, then I would just hold it. I mean, if you, you pulled one, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. I would sell it. Now, the only thing I would say is, Unless you can find an actual buyer, sometimes it's hard to sell the promos right away. The the pre-release promos, yeah. So if you can find someone that's going to give you fair value for it, I'd go ahead and sell it. Otherwise, you might have to wait until they start showing up on buy lists and more people are interested in them. So Yeah, Yeah, I I think I'm going to lean towards this. And that's all our fish. So tweet at MTGGoldfish, hashtag MTGFishMail to ask your questions, or you can send them in via email or post them in the article comments. And yep, and we do our best to answer all of them. They're, they're all really good. Those are some really good questions. Thanks for everyone to uh, to send those in. Uh, do we have any anything else on the agenda, or no? Does that wrap things up? Well, I'm just excited that this weekend there is an SCD tournament, so we will get to see our yes. first look at the new standard. The Pro Tour is still a couple weeks off, but... Yep. So if you have some time this weekend, make sure to check that out because it'll be awesome to see what new decks there are. It's a, a brewer's paradise right now in standard with rotations. Oh, yeah. So I'm really excited for that. I'm definitely planning on watching a lot of that this weekend. Yeah. Oh, and did you see, Seth? Everyone's starting to love Uvenwald Hydra. I <laughs> I did see that. I don't know what's wrong yeah. with everyone, Chaz. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with anyone. <laughs> As they're, they're, they're jumping into the green side of magic. They're coming over to the dark side. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be really fun. We get to see what uh, Standard looks like uh, finally. 
and it's going to be great. I, I th- it's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to no it. No rallies, no siege rhinos, oh. no fetch lands. No, it's going to be so refreshing. No five-color good stuff decks that I don't know the name of. It's going <laughs> to be so good. And then after the tournament where everyone's going to be bored with it already. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Gentlemen, it's been great. Uh, we will do this next week, and we'll, we'll weigh in on uh, Shadows Over Innistrad Standard. So it's gonna, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so this is going to be the crew signing out for this episode. We will see you next time.